0: back to Screen Time. I'm Rokhan. I'm Richard Roper. You are not going to believe what three groups of people have decided they need to have a petition movement to complain about. <laughs> it is so amazing how pissed everybody is at all times. You look at your social media, you watch television, whatever it is, there's always people fighting about something. But now it has gotten to the point of freaking ridiculousness. We will talk about that. Plus, what not to watch, and the Thursday three all coming your way. But first, the Rowan Roper podcast is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com. The digital landscape is changing rapidly, and to compete in today's business environment, you need an experienced partner. Since 1995, AmericanEagle.com has partnered with companies of all sizes offering web design, development, e-commerce, mobile apps, digital marketing, all driving your overall business success because they believe today's online world is your opportunity. To get started, go to AmericanEagle.com today. So petitions, at least back in my day, I'm old enough to remember when someone was having a petition, it was uh, to try to save someone's life. There was or, a lot of
1: lettuce talk. You yeah. Know, don't eat that lettuce because the labor that was being exploited, things like that, very important causes, boycotts and petitions and things like that.
0: Now, fictional characters yeah. are being petitioned to bring back to life. Richard Rubber, please explain. Well, you know, Ro, there are
1: a lot of us who will read a book or watch a TV series or a movie and when it ends, if we don't like the ending, we say, well, I didn't really care for the ending of that. Then we get on with our lives. There are other people (laughs) who will not let it go and will make it their life's mission for a mulligan for a redo and you know we saw this recently for like three years there was all this talk hashtag release the Snyder cut right you know the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League because Zack Snyder the director of Justice League had to leave while the film was being made Joss Whedon took over and a lot of people hated what he did with it so let's release the Snyder cut so finally HBO and HBO Max said all right and Warner Brothers we're going to give you the Snyder cut So they released this four-hour version of Justice Mm -hmm. League. And what we found out was it was, in some cases, I thought about the same. Some people thought it was marginally better. It didn't change the lives of all those people who were calling for it. But all that did was embolden and empower people to keep doing this stuff. So the most recent example, this billboard goes up in Los Angeles about bringing Tony Stark back to life. Robert Downey Jr.'s character of Tony Stark, Iron Man. Mm
0: Mm-hmm spoiler alert, yep.
1: dies yep. in Avengers Endgame. It actually gave us, in the whole history of the Marvel Universe, I thought gave us one of the most profound and impactful and lasting moments that that series has ever given us because we were reminded of the fact Tony Stark, unlike a lot of the other superheroes like Superman, who's in the mm-hmm. Justice League universe, or Thor for the Marvel Universe, is not this super entity with amazing powers from another planet. He's an American human being who built this incredible suit. And it was inside the suit, but there was always a 160-pound man inside that suit. Right. It was very, very vulnerable, much like the Dark Knight If you is.
0: prick him, he bleeds. It's exactly. Basically the point, yeah.
1: And he died. And it was very moving, and it, it led to that incredible uh, funeral, you know, remembrance uh, scene, and I thought was perfectly done. And now we have all these chuckleheads and dimwits who are saying, "I I want my Tony Stark back, uh, you know, bring him back to life." And it's like, and I and I, it's not that they want like some sort of prequel, like they're doing with Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow, yeah. or uh, some sort of parallel universe thing. They want Tony Stark to come back. They want the Robert Downey Jr. character to come back. Why? Why would you want to ruin something? Because you just, you just. It reminds me. Now you got me going. Okay, go ahead. We talked recently about the documentary about Sesame Street, Street Gang, how Mm -hmm. we got to Sesame Street. And there was a very famous episode in which the character of Mr. Hooper died, the actor who played him passed away. And Big Bird, who on Sesame Street was essentially uh, the the voice and eyes and ears and heart and spirit of a four-year-old. They put the Big Bird character in there to reflect the mindset of the youngest of the young Sesame Street viewers. And they had a famous episode where Big Bird didn't accept and couldn't accept that Mr. Hooper had actually died. And the grown-ups in the room walked him through it. And I feel like these people putting up these billboards and doing these petitions are Big Bird. (laughs) They won't accept that their beloved Tony Stark has died, even though he was given the perfect curtain call.
0: I want to know when this inertia started culturally for our now present state of arrested development. And I don't That's mean the show. That's a show they could have ended a different way. <laughs> I don't mean the show. I mean the reality that we now complain. I know social media has done this, but we are so caught in not wanting to be disappointed or feel badly yeah. about something that life must be fair. We are like a bunch of four year olds. We want to believe that the world must be redesigned so that we can, like almost like sports, have an instant replay and do it over again if it wasn't fair. That's not the way time and space actually operate. Who gives a shit if Tony Stark returns? It will not change your life. Watch the old movies. They are excellent. Let Robert Downey Jr. go on to something else. There are other cool ways they can use the legacy of Iron Man in the Marvel universe. Marvel is, to my eye, the greatest canon since the Star Wars universe. Mm -hmm. It's going to go on. You're going to fall in love with other characters. Yeah, there's a be careful what you wish for
1: thing. And you're right, there's a petulance here and a an immaturity in terms of you know even consuming art where everybody wants their own options like they're playing a video game. Well, I didn't like that ending. Give me another one. And it's not going to happen. But let's say they decided to bring back Tony Stark one way or another. It's not going to erase, as you said, Ro, what already took place in that universe, what you felt when you watched the movie. And when people are asked for these do-overs, I'm like, you know, it's the same thing. People are still talking about the last scene of The Sopranos yes. a decade and a half after. And I always say, well, that to me... And people are like, that's because I hated it so much. I thought it w- it worked beautifully. I also said to people, if you didn't like the last five minutes of the show, but you loved every other second of it, it shouldn't
0: diminish that. Right. It, you know, most great works of... But you couldn't have done anything. Let me just interrupt you there. You yeah. couldn't have oh, done anything. You know, if they've exactly. come in and blown his brains all over that diner table... It still wouldn't have made you happy, or if all of a sudden somebody comes in and says, Hey, we're going to a private jet and you're gonna live in Sicily for the rest of your life happily, that wouldn't have made people happy either. Yeah,
1: the same amount of people would have complained on the other side, no matter what the ending was. You can't satisfy everybody. And you know, you go back to the the final episode of Seinfeld, which a lot of people felt was a letdown. I thought it was, you know, Larry David's kind of kind of way of saying to the audience, you know, you fell in love with a bunch of horrible people here (laughs) in the trial. Now he did get his redo sort of within the curb your enthusiasm universe, right? Where he talked about how people hated the ending and he wanted to redo it and that was really cleverly conceived and executed. So you can do something like that. But, but it's like art, like let's go to the Louvre
0: and let's go to Mona Lisa and go, "Ah, you know what?
1: She could be hotter. She could be yeah, she could smile a little more." Yeah. It's very enigmatic, whatever that means.
0: American Gothic. Yeah. I don't like the pitchfork. But, Give them yeah, the AK. But,
1: but you know, this this idea that the ending has to suit your needs or that you want the redo. So the next one we're going to talk about, and this has been going on ever since the final season of Game of Thrones, yeah. which a lot of people it was, you know, critically panned and the fans hated it. And it was the same kind of thing. First of all, it's, it's a brilliant show. And, and listen, you watch Game of Thrones the second time and it's still sometimes impossible to keep track of what's going on. It's just, you're we like, well, I guess that turned out to be her cousin after all. <laughs> and now there's another battle. But it was beautifully staged, beautifully filmed, and the acting was incredible. And there were all kinds of major characters who would get killed off starting with season one. And then people felt like the final season was rushed and arbitrary and there were all these conclusions and i'm like you're the same people who kept bitching saying nothing happened in season three when are we gonna find out this this and that so i was fine with the ending and again no matter what was done there there would have been tons of people saying really that's what happens to khaleesi oh come on that's the story behind that you couldn't you can't win when people are looking for something that they should be enjoying the entire experience but they only want the last paragraph of the book to be perfect and not even perfect they want it to fit their narrative or their hopes
0: you know the last episode of scooby-doo from the 1970s man you had to bring that up it's so incredibly stupid it's art let the artist create the art and then you decide as the person who's experiencing the art whether you like it or you don't you don't get your money back that's not how this works
1: and listen I've seen a lot of movies and TV series where I'm like, yeah, that wasn't the perfect ending. It's one of the most difficult things to pull off. But it's never diminished my appreciation for the work as a whole. Lost was another series that I loved that tried to tie up everything in a final episode like so many TV shows do. Comedies like Friends do the same thing. And it's like, but yeah, when I go back and watch the other 80 episodes, I, I still dig them. The Game of Thrones thing, though, Ro, and a lot of this talk is because there's a prequel that HBO is going to do that's set like a generation before the events, and they're like, well, they're going to get certain cast members, and that may or may not be true. But the idea that you're going to do a redo of season eight, so you're going to pick up where season seven left off, When you think about the logistics there, first of all, you got to get the showrunners to agree to do it and write Mm -hmm. the episodes and hire the directors. Then you got to rebuild the sets in Ireland and Croatia and on giant sound stages. Then you got to reach out to about 47 actors who have scattered across the earth and a few of them are no longer with us and say, how'd you like to come back? We know you poured your heart and soul and your you know, time and labor and efforts for a year and a half on that final season. But some of the fans are pissed off, so we're going to redo the whole
0: thing. Yeah, this all started in the 1980s when MASH had its final episode, yeah. and there was all of this, oh, what's it going to be like? What are they going to do? How are they going to wrap everything up? All in the family, even before that, had a similar kind of experience, and then they went into a sequel mode. Yeah, But <laughs> the one that screwed it up for everybody... Was the finale of Newhart, not the Bob Newhart show, Newhart, yeah. in which they tied together the end of Newhart to the original Bob Newhart show in the most brilliant way. Everything after that will be a fail. Nothing can be compared to that. No matter what you do, if you try to tie things together, unless it pays everybody who watched it a million dollars, like Oprah, you get a car, you get a car, you get a car. <laughs> yeah. Unless you do that, you're always going to have a constituency of people who are just angry for no good reason and they really should try to move out of their parents' house.
1: Well, it's so true and a lot of hit shows they just they they do kind of want to do the fan friendly thing. So the final episode you usually have at least one wedding. You have people, characters move away from each other. So that way we know that they wouldn't be able to be on the next episode together. Uh, there's, you know, the, the love that was never expressed for 15 right. years is finally expressed. Somebody has a grandchild and it's all like, okay, you know, that's great. But it's like when they do that, I'm like, okay, I, I realize they're doing that. It's It's just a way to really, you know... To to put a bow on things, but it it to me they're not the best episodes. I don't when when right. I re-watch Modern Family or Friends or any great show like that or ER, I don't go, oh, I gotta watch the series finale. It's all the other ones that led up to that that are the fun ones.
0: Well, people want these things back because they fell in love with them. I totally get that. And it's a great honor for those particular shows to have such a fan base that you know wants more of it or wants a return to something great. You know, you're not really getting that for Gunsmoke. Even though Gunsmoke was one of the longest-running television shows of all time, you never heard people go, bring back Gunsmoke!
1: Well, the other thing that's happening now, too, of course, on a lot of the streaming services is they're bringing back all these shows with the characters all grown up. Bunky Brewster's 57 now. Yeah, right, you know, Fuller Weird. House! Eh, okay, yeah. if people want to watch it, that's fine. Very quickly, though, before we go to break, and then we got a bunch of stuff to talk about that's really good and really not so good, uh, the one petition I do like is LeVar Burton is going to get his crack to be a guest host on Jeopardy. And we talked about this uh, a couple of weeks ago, like he might be the ideal candidate. And that was actually because of online support and his own campaigning, and he's going to get a shot.
0: But that's for something positive. And it's a game show. Yes, that's true. That's for something that the fans want to fill a void. There is no void. Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones ended. It all blew up. Somebody got stabbed, and next thing you know, the thing's over. Right? We've moved on to whatever comes on next Sunday night on HBO. Okay. Co- Bring back the first Darren from Bewitched.
1: Um, that was, was that
0: too. Yeah. Oh, my God. All okay. right. Portillo's. Let's talk about something delicious and good. Go. Portillo's is known for their famous Chicago hot dogs with all of the freshest and tastiest ingredients right down to the poppy seed bun and, of course, their legendary chocolate cake. But that is just the beginning. The menu bursts with mouthwatering varieties of charbroiled burgers, Italian beef sandwiches, cheese fries, chopped salads, almost anything you can imagine you can get at Portillo's. It's a Chicagoland favorite since 1963. Also, there are locations throughout the Midwest and in Florida, California, and Arizona. Order for curbside pickup or delivery today. Ship Portillo's anywhere in the United States of America. If you have friends or family anywhere, from Chicago that live on the East Coast, West Coast, somewhere else, send them Portillos. They will love you forever. Portillos.com. What not to watch this weekend that you're being told to watch by the Over the Top and the networks.
1: Yeah, I'm really surprised because all three entries in what not to watch are series and or movies that I was really looking forward to seeing. But it just proves you gotta see them, bro before you can render your judgment. So the first one I wanna talk about is called Things Seen and Heard. It is a Netflix original film starring recent Academy Award nominee Amanda Seyfried. She plays a young wife of this professor and he gets one of those jobs at some you know kind of remote university and they move into the big, giant, isolated house in the country. Now, what happens when you move into the big, giant, isolated house in the Mm, country? Yeah, things go bump in the night. It's either haunted, or in the 19th century, it was the site of an orphanage or a mental institution, (laughs) or some sort of recent murder occurred there, and that's why they got such a good deal in the big, giant house in the country. But it's pretty much all of those things. It's literally a haunted house. And things are going bump in the night. And then we get all these interesting actors showing up. F. Murray Abraham, Academy Award winner, shows up as the mentor to Amanda Seyfried's husband, who's played by Jim Norton. And then Karen Allen is the realtor who sells up their house. I'm
0: glad Katie she's... Katie from
1: National Lampoon's Animal House and so many other great roles. I'm like, wait a minute, that's Karen Allen. And and all these interesting character actors are in this film and it's really well made. And about halfway through, you realize this is just one stupid dumbass haunted house movie with seances and ghosts. And of course, then the daughter's all super scared and wants to, and they never move out of the house when they should. And then the dad goes off the rails and he starts having affairs over here and there's deceit over there. And then it gets really bloody and it's horrible. It's actually one of the worst movies of the year. Things seen and heard on Netflix, which I guarantee you is going to become popular because people are going to see that cast and then it's a horror movie. Don't say I didn't warn you.
0: Okay, I've always wondered about the central premise of every one of these kinds of movies, which is they can't leave the house because the road out is scarier. They don't know how to get there, but yet there's other people who work in the house that come to and from every day. Oh yeah, follow them out yes follow
1: them out right off the bat and if the deal is too good to be true on the giant house in the country maybe you know they always like I, I can't believe a murder took place here everybody else in town knows they're all looking at it like oh so you moved into the old gunderson house aren't you an explorer why is that <laughs> oh i don't know i don't know what I, I it's a fixer-upper that's all i meant
0: right <laughs> right there right, like, do the real, research do in, your due
1: diligence
0: in real life people will be going that people gotta in there. Just do
1: a Google, 1716, Primrose Lane, was there a murder? <laughs> Something will show up. And they always do that about two-thirds of the way into the movie, and they're
0: like, oh, my gosh, but wait a minute. This said this happened in 1947, but I just saw her in the hallway. Also, I don't happen to think that moving into a murdered-in house is the worst thing in the world if you get a good deal. Yeah. I don't think that I'm necessarily going to get murdered because I moved into it, unless the murderer is still there. Jeez. I'm so concerned. All right. What else not to watch? Here's
1: another one for you. The Mosquito Coast. Now, people might remember that title. Uh, it was an award-winning novel from Paul Thoreau that was then turned into a 1986 film starring Harrison Ford. And it was about this iconoclast, off-the-grid eccentric who moves his family from America to the Mosquito Coast. And they're going to make a make a living and make a life off the grid, even before there was a grid, you know, okay. uh, you know out of society. Now it's an Apple TV plus limited series. It's actually starring Justin Thoreau, who is the nephew of Paul Thoreau. So it's a wow. it's a
0: full series, but and the ex of Jennifer Aniston, right?
1: Yes, and okay. leftovers. He's a terrific actor. So he plays the title character who once again is this kind it's a family guy. He's got a a wife and two kids. They're homeschooled. He's doing all these inventions and everything, and he believes that, you know, the corporate America and greed and all that stuff will ruin us. So they're off the grid. But then it turns out that he's actually a wanted man, that the feds are after him for some crime he committed when he maybe worked for an intelligence agency and kind of went rogue. So he takes his family on the run to Mexico And the rest of the series is the kids keep asking, what did dad do? And every time he's about to tell them then something happens and interrupts it, there's all kinds of violence. They get mixed up with the Mexican drug cartel. They never make it to the Mosquito Coast. So it ends up being this very well photographed, very well made uh, adaptation that has almost nothing to do with the source material. And the, the Justin Thoreau character is a guy you just want to slap silly because he keeps giving these speeches about how this is a great adventure. He endangers his wife and children all the time. He's actually the most selfish, narcissistic jerk that we've seen recently in any show. And to stick with him for multiple episodes where you're just like, you're rooting for him to get caught. <laughs> you know, in The Fugitive, you weren't rooting for him to get caught. This fugitive deserves to be put behind bars and the kids would be better off without their selfish dad.
0: All right, and this next one you're going to tell me not to watch is breaking my heart. It's Tom Clancy's Without Remorse, Michael B. Jordan. What about those elements together could possibly go wrong?
1: Yeah, and this is an adaptation of when when Tom Clancy wrote Without Remorse some 30 years ago, I think he got the biggest advance anybody's ever gotten for a book because his books make tens of millions of dollars, and then get turned into big blockbuster movies. And this is an origin story. Michael B. Jordan plays a Navy SEAL guy, and he's on this. It starts off with this big mission where he and his mates, you know, take out the enemy but it turns out the enemy is actually somebody they didn't expect and then revenge is brought into his home his Mm -hmm. pregnant wife is murdered so now it's personal so michael b jordan he's off the grid everybody's off the grid in these (laughs) movies and he's gonna go get the russian bad guys he thinks the russian bad guys who murdered not only his former partners but his wife in his home it's very murky, Row. It's hard to keep track of what's happening. Uh, it, it's filmed in a way. It's one of those uh, movies where you're. it's hard to see what's happening because everything's in the dark, and it might be more realistic that way, but it's hard to tell the good guys from the bad guys. But the problem with this is the script. It's so heavy-handed. I think there were three separate speeches about how Guys like the Michael B. Jordan character are merely pawns who will never be able to defeat the kings. I'm just a mere pawn. And to drive the point home, they have him playing chess at one point, talking about how it's hard for a pawn to become a king. And they keep playing that, you know, theme over and over, and it becomes increasingly ludicrous and difficult to follow. And also, and I love Michael B. Jordan, it's kind of a flat performance for him, and I think it's mostly because of the script. He goes from his pregnant wife is murdered and the child is lost, and he grieves for about thirty seconds, and then he just becomes a killing machine out for revenge. But we never feel like he really is is mourning or is driven by that journey. With not at all, not at all, a to b. Yeah, and it, it it's a setup for a series for sure. He's gonna go, you know, he's gonna become this new Tom Clancy character. But I was really disappointed in this one.
0: Oh man, it, I'm disappointed in it too because you, you don't really get that star power meeting classic material all that often and when you do it should be great. So I'm very yeah, sorry to hear that yeah. right. Tom Clancy's Without Remorse joins The Mosquito Coast and Things Seen and Heard of Things Not to Watch this weekend. Here are three things to watch this weekend on the Thursday 3 four good days mila kunis we've known mila
1: kunis since that 70s show and she's had the high profile romances she was with macaulay culkin for a long time then married ashton kutcher and a lot of comedies the bad moms movies of the first ted and we forget sometimes she's a really good actress she's really there's something about her she's extremely photogenic she's got a unique look and a very natural style and in this film she plays a recovering addict. She's 31 years old. She's been in and out of rehab like a dozen times. And she's broken the hearts of everybody, including her children, her ex-husband. And Glenn Close plays her mom, which is the kind of the same role she played in Hillbilly Elegy. She's the mother slash grandmother. She's got a grown daughter who is coping with addiction and struggling with it and has you know, pretty much broken ties with everybody else. And I know we've seen the physical transformations before, Ro, where somebody looks emaciated and their teeth are rotted yeah. and their skin is mottled. And, and all of that is the case here. But she just, unfortunately, almost all of us know somebody who's been addicted to, to heroin, to, you know, hardcore drugs. And you just feel the authenticity of the performance. And the four good days is a reference to the fact that she needs to have four clean days so she can get an injection of a, of a drug that will actually... Uh, curb cravings for opioids for an entire month but she's got to get through those four days and it's not easy so it's a a tough film to watch but a great film
0: one of my favorite comedic actors of this or any other generation is tony hale you loved him in arrested development you loved him in veep and now he's eating wheaties the film is called eat wheaties and
1: that comes from the fact okay so tony hale's playing his usual guy he's a nebbish who's socially awkward and he's the kind of guy if you're in the break room at work and you see him coming, you duck out the back way if you can to avoid <laughs> right. him. And he doesn't realize how off-putting he is. So he went to Penn. His character went to Penn. And it's going to be the 20th uh, anniversary of the reunion. And Elizabeth Banks went to college with him. And there's one photo of him. So he starts telling everybody how he was great friends with Elizabeth Banks. And she always used to say goodbye to him by saying, eat your Wheaties or eat Wheaties. Sort of like a uh, inspirational thing. Like, have a good day. Nobody believes him. He starts going on her Facebook page and he's sending her emails. Hey, you remember me? No one believes that we were once friends. And he, he kind of pours his heart out to her and he keeps sending these emails to her. But he doesn't realize, he's actually posting on her Facebook fan page. And they finally have to get a restraining order against him because it looks like he's doing some light stalking. So it's this sort of strange, awkward comedy. And by the way, I don't want to give anything away, but Elizabeth Banks isn't in the movie per se, and then maybe she might show up at one point. But it's like nobody believes this guy there, and it's sort of like the perfect choice because she's a star, but she's not Julia Roberts or something.
0: So it seems kind of credible. She's okay. better than Julia Roberts for me. Well, because she's we wonderful. have worked with her. She's, she's great, yeah. amazingly lovely and down to earth. You can see that there are some people who could be very, very possessed by her.
1: Because she does seem like the girl next door or your college roommate or or somebody like that. She has done an an incredible amount of uh, good comedic and dramatic work. So what I like about it is it's one of these things where it's very kind of cringe-inducing, almost like a Curb Your Enthusiasm Mm -hmm. episode, but then it turns out to have a real warm heart to it. And Tony Hale gets to play some different notes that he didn't get to do in the aforementioned comedy. So it's called Eat Wheaties! With an exclamation point.
0: And finally on the Thursday 3 something to definitely watch this weekend.
1: I love this one, Percy versus Goliath. Another one of our all-time favorites. Christopher Walken. And this is one of those based on a true story deals. He's a Canadian farmer in his 70s. Now, this is back in the late 1980s. And he gets sued by a giant corporation, by Monsanto, saying, hey, you've stolen our seed formula for your farm. And they sue him to try to put him out of business. And it actually really happened in real life. And he was like, actually, those seeds were just blown over from another farm. I didn't take them on purpose. This is the way farming has gone for millennia. And Christopher Walken, we all have so much fun watching people impersonate him, watch him having fun with his own persona. But this is a straight, dramatic, comedic role, and it reminds us of why he's an Academy Award winner. Mm. So it's kind of like a Canadian farmer, Aaron Brockovich type of story, where it's it's Percy, he's Percy, versus Goliath. Love this film.
0: And where do we find that?
1: That's on demand. Virtual cinemas, if you will. Might be playing in theaters, depending on where you're at, or just, you Google your Percy versus Goliath, and someone will take $3 out of your pocket, and then you get to watch it. (laughs)
0: If you're lucky, three dollars. Yeah.
1: Something I think- ninety-nine. It'll be something ninety-nine. Yeah, don't quote yeah. me on that.
0: I think I actually had to pay nineteen ninety-nine to watch Bob Odenkirk again over the weekend. Ah, nobody. The Roan Roper Podcast is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios. AmericanEagle.com is a full-service global digital agency providing best-in-class web design, development, hosting, digital marketing services, and much more. Visit AmericanEagle.com for more information. Executive Producers for Screen Time with Rowan Roper, Tim Elenius and Renee Nelson. Our Music and Production Director is Brian Alltime. See you next time.